I'm Pastor Brian Paulson, and this is The Message. We're glad you're listening here in Libertyville, in Lake County, or around the world. Center your heart now with the prayer for illumination. Listen deeply to the scripture and allow the message to speak God's word for your life. Please join with me in the prayer for illumination. God's source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and our minds may be opened to know the things that pertain to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our scripture reading this morning, our first reading is Psalm 19. Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming his handiwork. One day gushes the news to the next, and one night informs another what needs to be known. Of course, there's no speech, no words. Their voices can't be heard, but their sound extends throughout the world. Their words reach the ends of the earth. God has made a tent in heaven for the sun. The sun is like a groom coming out of the honeymoon suite, like a warrior. It thrills at running its course. It rises in one end of the sky. Its circuit is complete at the other. Nothing escapes its heat. The Lord's instruction is perfect, reviving one's very being. The Lord's laws are faithful, making naive people wise. The Lord's regulations are right, gladdening the heart. The Lord's commands are pure, giving light to the eyes. Honoring the Lord is correct, lasting forever. The Lord's judgments are true. All of these are righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than tons of pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, even dripping off the honeycomb. No doubt about it, your servant is enlightened by them. There is great reward in keeping them. But can anyone know what they've accidentally done wrong? Clear me of any unknown sin and save your servant from willful sins. Don't let them rule me. Then I'll be completely blameless. I'll be innocent of great wrongdoing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our second reading comes from the fourth chapter of Luke. Listen now for a word from God. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. 
every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, one of the first visits that I made uh, as pastor of this congregation was to a wonderful person who now shines with the saints in glory, uh, Caroline Maxey. Uh, she described for me what it was like to grow up in Libertyville, and she explained about one particular rascal who went to school across the street in the old high school that once stood on the Brainerd playing field. He was expelled from Libertyville High School after riding his motorcycle through the hallways. His two years at LHS were quite dramatic. He wanted to be an actor, traveling trains into the city with a buddy of his playing roles, imitating people, animals, anything. Caroline Maxey told me that she remembered her drama teacher telling him, oh, Marlon, give it up. You'll never amount to anything. So much for Marlon Brando. It turns out the mixed-up mess of his childhood was just the beginning of work, work that was honed in the new school of New York City with Stella Adler, work that carried forward into a long and successful career. Now, as a congregation, last month we focused on practicing generosity. This month, as Nicole identified, the children are going to be learning and reflecting as we are on what it means uh, to uh, roll up our sleeves and roll into Advent and work to go and tell good news. Go tell it not only on the mountains, but everywhere. When we welcome the light in our lives, we are working with light. Last week here in the sanctuary, we spent some time on the backstory, the context of the prophecy of Isaiah. It was a time of rebuilding and resetting priorities. This week, I want to bring forward into greater focus the scene that Luke portrays in the synagogue of Nazareth and dig a little deeper into the work that Jesus begins. But first, I want to take a nod to our companion scripture today from the book of Psalms, which begins with the coming of light. Psalm 19 is a wisdom hymn that pictures the Son performing the work of God, sharing good news of God's glory, enlightening all the world, doing its work, running its course from one end of the sky to the other. The sky is proclaiming God's handiwork according to this psalm. Now, John Calvin, who's the pioneer of our tradition in Christian faith, suggests that nature teaches us about the character of God. Calvin believed that any attentive human being 
can perceive the good news of God in creation, which is a positive thing because in the days of Jesus, the vast majority of human population was illiterate. The record of teaching for the majority of humans was oral, passed down as tradition from one generation to the next. Now, one reason Psalm 19 is so beautiful is that it moves from the light of creation to the light of wisdom that is contained in God's instruction. The Lord's commands are pure, it says, giving light to the eyes. John Calvin liked to say that the Bible is as spectacles are for the eyes. We have an instinct of God's goodness on a sunny day uh, and awe of God on a stormy day, but scriptures sharpen our focus as to the true nature of God. Now, one exercise in our Follow Me curriculum for adults this week is to write the essence of Christianity in seven words or less. And I love the answer by the late Don Shriver, the past president of Union Theological Seminary in New York. He boiled faith down to this, divinely persistent, God really loves us. That is the good news that Scripture reveals. We believe that the truth of Persistent love is fully evident in the Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures of the law, the prophets, and the writings that Jesus had been taught. Persistent love on display in this record throughout history. Persistent love for you and for me. Now, Jesus was the oldest son of a carpenter in the Galilean hillside town of Nazareth. Even though most of humanity was illiterate and Galilee was a distant province of the Roman Empire, remote from Jewish centers of learning in Jerusalem, scholar John Meyer suggests that there is sufficient evidence in the biblical record, in local archaeology, and in cultural norms of Jesus' day to show that Jesus likely was taught to read, receiving an elementary education in the synagogue of his hometown. Not every town in Galilee was host to a synagogue, but Nazareth was, and it is in this local center of teaching and prayer that Luke describes the scene. Jesus was given a scroll. Jesus opened the scroll. Reading the scroll, Jesus searched for a verse and began reading from Isaiah, the verses that we hear today. 
Luke tells us that Jesus had been teaching in synagogues around the region before returning to this, his hometown synagogue. And after this encounter, he not only continues teaching, he demonstrates his teaching. You see it when you read further in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is gathering people who share his vision. He is healing those who are afflicted. He is feeding those who are hungry. And Jesus summarizes his work in Galilee when he sends some disciples saying, go report to John the Baptist what you have seen and heard. Those who were blind are able to see. Those who were crippled now walk. People with skin diseases are cleansed. Those who were deaf now hear. Those who were dead are raised up. And good news is preached to the poor. Good news for the poor. That is what Jesus read to begin his work. It is the light of Advent. It is hope, peace, joy, love for those in need. Scripture teaches this, the scripture that Jesus reads. Find those who are blind in their perception, in their spirit, and help them see. Find those who are imprisoned by their past, by their choices, and bring them freedom. Find those who are oppressed by evil actors, by dominant systems, and liberate their lives. These are the verses that the man with a small-town education chose to read in his synagogue long ago. It was the beginning of his work. He was, in effect, lighting a candle of hope for the world. Now, later verses tell us that Jesus' hometown did not receive this reading well. Jesus told them the reading was fulfilled in their hearing. And it's one thing to read the Scripture, it's another to assume that God is intimately present in the life of anyone who is all too familiar. So trouble began. Perhaps it began with a teacher saying to him, Oh, Jesus, give it up. You'll never amount to anything. But it ended with an angry crowd running him out of town. I suppose Jesus could have given it up right then and there. But he was divinely persistent in showing that God really loves us. Choosing the right verses, naming the shape of God's love, all of that served as a critical foundation. But you know, after planting our roots deep, our lives are called to go out, branch out, and bear fruit. For this reason, 
at the table of God's amazing grace where we will gather later in worship. We remember that Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you abide in me, when you do the work of persistent love, your lives will bear much good fruit. Now later in Galilee, after teaching his Beatitudes, Luke records Jesus as saying, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, nor does bad tree produce good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. Friends, the work of Advent is a beginning. It is kindling light for the world. Will we bear good fruit? How persistent is our gospel work? All right, now I'm going to tell you about a persistent duck for my closing illustration, okay? I know there's no duck in these verses. The pastor's gone off script. But I'm going to bring you home, I promise, okay? So there's a duck that waddles into a hardware store and says, hey, got any grapes? The clerk says, no, we don't have any grapes. Now get out of here. The duck waddles out. A little bit later, he waddles back in and says, hey, got any grapes? The clerk says, no, I told you already. And if you ask me again, I'm going to nail your feet to the floor. So the duck waddles out. Five minutes later, the duck waddles back in and says, hey, got any nails? The clerk says, no. The duck says, good. Got any grapes? <laughs> now look, the life and teaching of Jesus is persistently, persistently inviting us to do the work, the right work, work that bears fruit. Don't give it up. Welcome the light and start sharing it. That's the work. Offer good news for the poor, hope, peace, joy, love for those in need. Got any grapes? This I deliver to you in the name of the Holy Trinity who creates, redeems, and sustains the world in amazing, persistent love. Amen. Thank you for listening on our podcast or through our YouTube playlist of sermons. Be sure to forward this message to someone who you believe is seeking God's word today.